0: Over the years here at Exposure Ninja, we've worked with dozens, hundreds of clients in every imaginable market of basically every size from really small startups to multinational global brands. And over and over again, we see the same digital marketing strategy mistakes being made, whatever the business. So in today's episode, we're going to cover what they are, and I'm going to share some tips on how to avoid them, save yourself some money, save yourself some pain, and let's get this stuff done. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Caron-Kitchen. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency that helps our clients get more leads and sales from their websites. And in today's episode, we are covering the most common digital marketing strategy mistakes to help you avoid them. Now, number one, the most common mistake by far, and we see this a lot, because of a lot of the marketing that we do. But this is going straight for traffic generation without getting a business's core marketing machine fixed first. Okay, going straight for traffic generation. Now I totally get it. Here's what happens. Someone reads a book about how to get to the top of Google or how to do TikTok ads or how to run Facebook ads or whatever the traffic generation strategy might be, and quite quickly realizes that wow, this thing could be really powerful they then make the leap, which is this thing is the solution to all of our marketing problems. If only we could do more of this, then everything else would be totally awesome. And by the way, this is not just confined to small startups and business owners thinking this way, we've worked with some huge multinational brands that also think exactly this way. And in fact, let me give you one example, global technology brand uh, had a series of websites targeting different locations. And across all of these websites, they had what we'd call a really poor marketing machine, i.e. weak calls to action, poor quality copy. And it wasn't like it was badly written, but it was just written written in a really technical way, which didn't match their target audience. They didn't understand what differentiated them from their competitors. Now we looked at this and said, okay, this is really problematic. This is going to stop them from getting conversions. They looked at it and said, what we need is more traffic, we need SEO because SEO is awesome. Let's do some SEO, we had to have the conversation with them, you know, this website could get 150,000 visits a month, and you wouldn't be converting. In fact, it probably is getting 150,000 visits a month, And it wouldn't be converting because you don't have the core elements in place. It's so much more efficient to get your core marketing machine working properly. And by that we mean having your website convert the traffic it's getting bring you some leads. And then you can then start scaling and ramping up once you've got a successful model. But otherwise, if you're trying to scale like zeros, then that's a really bad idea. Now, how do you know if this problem is you? Well, if you're getting a low conversion rate from your existing traffic, if you're getting poor quality leads that don't really understand what your business is about, or what they should be doing next or if you're getting leads comparing you ghosting you, that can be a symptom of traffic that hasn't properly bought into you, because the proposition isn't that tight on your website. So what you don't necessarily want to do is just scale that by just throwing loads more traffic at it, you want to get that problem solved first then scale after that. Now there are some sort of variations of this problem of businesses that aren't quite ready to drive more traffic. Variation number one is actually not having a plan or not having a scalable sales process. So that when you do get more leads, or you do get more sales, the machine doesn't break, right? We've seen this a few times recently, where we've actually had to stop marketing for a client because they need to build the processes and they need to build the, the sort of back end systems to be able to scale their leads or scale their sales because they haven't thought ahead of time. And oh, Lo and behold, you know, they've got too much work, and they have to shut the whole thing down, which is obviously really disappointing for them, and could have been prevented if they'd have just said, Okay, what is our plan for scaling our back end processes as sales scale, another variation of this problem is having a uh, either a hard coded or a very difficult to edit website, and trying to take that with you into a scalable marketing strategy, custom content management systems, any sort of custom website requires specialist knowledge, what happens if that person leaves or the company that you've worked with on it, um, you know, goes bust or whatever, which we've seen multiple times. In one example, we had to duplicate an entire website for someone onto WordPress rather than the bespoke CMS that their ex web dev agency had used. And you know, we had to just Basically, you just copy the entire site because the company behind it had gone bust. (laughs) Really problematic. And you don't really want to be doing that, you know, in your busy season. So make sure you've got a scalable system, make sure you've got a machine that is actually ready for the traffic that you're driving. Next problem, the audience is too broad. Okay, this is really, really common. So very common with businesses that have sort of scaled up over time and they may have started out niche, and, and as they start scaling, they lose their. Uh, relevance with their audience, they lose that sort of resonance that you get with a really well defined target audience, either that or businesses that have just always been really broad. And they've always kind of resisted niching down because niching down feels scary, you feel like you want to maximize the growth of the business by maximizing the number of potential customers. But actually, from a marketing perspective, some sometimes it can be really difficult to get traction unless there is um, some element of niching, for example, your calls to action can be really broad if you're not targeting a specific market. So how do you know if this is you and then I'm going to give you a story about this. Um, If you can't answer the question, who is your target audience or answering that question takes more than five seconds to answer, then probably your target audience is maybe a little bit too broad or a little bit undefined. Let me give an example. Uh, I've got software client Who has a product which actually could be applicable to a a huge number of different markets? Now, we had a look at their competitors and said, all right, if you're gonna compete against these competitors, which are both more entrenched than you, they're better funded than you, they have much more visibility and brand recognition than you, we are not going to be able to beat them in the biggest game possible. Okay, we need to focus. We don't wanna spread ourselves too thinly, given that we've got a lot of catching up to do. And, you know, we need to help you grow to that size. So we had to get them to sort of laser focus. Now, this felt really scary for them, because actually, you know, laser focusing feels like you're excluding a whole bunch of potential customers. But when we spoke to them, we realized that actually there was, uh, they were getting a lot of visitors from NHS from the National Health Service. And we worked with them to identify a list of key industries and emerging prospects which would allow us to target pretty narrowly. So we ended up with 14 industries. Now I know that 14 industries isn't exactly like hardcore niching, but even with that group of 14 industries, it meant that we could start to identify topics which would be relevant across these different industries. We could identify the sort of themes that were going to match across all of these industries. We could build calls to action. We could build funnels with the content that we're creating, which we knew would then move people through the sales process. And it worked fantastically well. So we had a lead target of 60 good quality leads per month uh, by spring 2022. By February, we hit. Uh, 65 leads from organic alone by March we're 160 by April we're 182. So the fact that we were able to niche even though it was 14 industries allowed us to hit our lead target 3x our lead target um, because we could get much greater resonance with that market because we could finally tune our message to those people so that really really helps. Another example of a business, another software company actually, we had um, a software client that had a great AI driven product. They were really struggling to sell it though, really struggling to get traction with it because it was like a lot of AI businesses, kind of a technology that was looking for an application. So, what we did is they came to us asking for more traffic, as everyone does. Um, and we identified that actually what they really needed to do was pick a target audience that they could refine their offer around and fine tune that offer to really resonate and really be super attractive. So we help them find an audience that would really value this service. And by value we mean would uh, um, attach a high price to that service. So they would be willing to pay a lot more for this thing, because it was sort of business critical to them. We actually wrote a book for them in this case, because their audience was so narrow, we could write a book uh, for them about how to serve this market. And we could write a book for their, for the, you know, for, if I'm this person, this target customer, here's the book on how to do my job better. This works really, really well, pretty small audience for this book. um, But we ran LinkedIn ads to it and got £105,000 worth of leads for them for every 1k in ad spend on LinkedIn, because we knew exactly who our audience was, we wrote a book specifically for that audience, which helped them get closer to you know, their their solution. and pitch the service or pitch the product to them. So because of that resonance, we were able to do things like write a book. Um, whereas if we'd just gone to you know mass market, there's absolutely no way the mass market would have been interested in a book on that topic. Okay, next mistake: not checking your mirrors. This comes from a quote from my mum. When my mum was teaching me to drive less, air, she said, "I um I actually don't check my mirrors." Uh, little trade secret there. I don't check my mirrors. What happens behind me is other people's problem. <laughs> she was gone. I hope she was joking. Um, I can assure you I do check my mirrors. Uh, but not checking your mirrors is relatively common in digital marketing by that I mean, not looking at what else is going on in your market, what else is going on in the industry, what your competitors are doing. Okay, a lot of businesses fall prey to, you know, I'm so busy, there's so much that we're focusing on. I don't have time to look at my competitors. I don't even care. There's a bit of like a a flexing thing. Like I don't even worry about my competitors. What competitors? We don't have competitors. Well, no, you definitely do. You have other businesses that are targeting the same keywords as you You have other businesses that are targeting your customers attention on social media, Like you do have online competitors, whether or not you have business competitors, you have other online competitors. And it's really important to make sure that you are always tuned with exactly what they're doing, what they're targeting and what's working well. So how do you know if this is them? If you can't name your top three to five online competitors, not business competitors, but online competitors, and you don't know what they're doing better and worse than you, then likely there is going to be some leverage and you spending a little bit more time on competitor analysis. Now, I'm not advocating become obsessed with the at all but you need to know what they're ranking for how often they're posting content for example if SEO and content marketing is your thing or you need to know what their influencer strategy what their social content strategy is and make sure you're keeping up to date with things like posting frequency you just need to be tuned you need to know what's going on you need to be able to read the room Okay, next mistake pumping out garbage content. Whoa, not me, Tim. Nobody thinks they're pumping out garbage. Okay, garbage takes many forms. I'm not just talking about low quality, you know, automated spam stuff. I'm talking about stuff that doesn't resonate, doesn't rank doesn't do the job doesn't connect. So um, how do you know if this is you? If the content that you're publishing on your website isn't ranking or it's got really low engagement rate, you're not getting much traction on social media, or it's just not bringing you leads, it's bringing you visitors, but it's not bringing you leads, then you might be straying into the category of what we would call garbage content. Now, this is relatively uh, frequent, this is a relatively common mistake. People posting news on their blog, which people don't really care about, people writing stuff that they don't really have a, a game plan for. They might be posting um, stuff that is targeting, you know, spray and pray anything with high search volume is a relatively common one. So you go into, you know, uh, answer the public or SEMrush or whatever, put your topic in, find the questions that people are asking and just write content for the most popular questions, regardless of whether those things are actually going to turn into leads for you. And then of course because they're so competitive you don't get any traction with them anyway so that kind of spray and pray is one uh version of this another version of this is actually the kind of opposite of that which is ignoring no or low search volume keywords so being reluctant to target a particular phrase because it doesn't look like it's got much search volume actually if there could be if there's really high intent with that phrase, or you know, from talking to your customers that that is something that they search, well, the tools are often very inaccurate at low search volume data anyway. So you might still want to target that content if it makes total sense for you. So how do you do this properly? Um, Like I'm going to give you another example. But basically, you want to stay with start with your target audience, identify their problems, and then write the most useful guide that you possibly can. So let me give you another example of a business. Uh, This is another B2B example. Uh, There's a lot of b2b examples today but exactly the same principles work for b2c uh, so this business they sell uh, software which helps um with with uh like office planning so um facilities management so w- when you've got uh an office building and you need to see who's coming in and out and that type of stuff right so that's their situation they want more traffic of course they want more conversions now one of the things that we did we started with their target audience we worked out who the people are that are going to be buying this, we then identified what these people's problems were. And one of the problems that came up after you know, the sort of transition out of uh, COVID lockdowns and remote working became this trend in hybrid working and lots of businesses we identified needed to create hybrid working policies. Now, hybrid working policy is a new thing for a lot of companies, the people that were charged with putting these together were actually often the customers for our clients product. So what we did is we created this amazing piece on their website, which was all about how to create a hybrid working policy. This is a really useful guide for employers to make sure they're able to run a hybrid office efficiently. So a lot of the content that we were going up against was like, here's five tips on how to produce a hybrid working policy, or here's like, here's an information piece about what hybrid working is and its benefits. Right. Well, people already know that stuff. If you're looking for how to create a policy, you don't need, oh, like here, oh, hybrid working is really good because it means that you've got great staff satisfaction. Like that stuff's obvious. So, what we did is we wrote a much more detailed piece showing employers actually how to do it. And create a really useful guide a sort of semi template thing um, and by doing this by making it much more useful than other people obviously were able to get a higher click-through rate from search this helped us to get a featured snippet on google so we got position zero um, for a really generic sort of hybrid working policy phrase um, and this aligns with our mission to make the client the sort of undisputed thought leader in this category and of course we're then getting the traffic from those perfect customers that we are exactly the people that we want to be targeting. So by taking this approach, and by working with the client really closely on identifying what these sort of trending topics are, we were able to be much more um, adaptive to what was going on in the market, what was going on in their customers minds, we did a similar thing for phrases around smart offices. And this is some of the most best performing content on the site. These are relatively new topics, that because we were keeping our eyes open to what was going on out there, we could be responsive to patterns with this target audience. But again, all of this came from knowing exactly who the target audience was and being really clear and really intentional. Um, we also used what's called a topic cluster strategy. So they, um, th- this business had previously posted a lot of content, but it didn't really have any direction. So what we decided to do was build a content cluster or topic cluster, which is a group of content assets, all centered on a single fairly broad topic. But what it would allow us to do is go really deep. So hybrid working and smart offices, some examples. This means that we can build out content around all the variations of these topics, go really deep, and we know we can dominate for those sorts of phrases, all the related questions that people would answer, uh, that would ask, sorry, so we identify what, the, what the, the, the sort of the pillar term is, we make a really detailed pillar article providing an overview of the topic, and then we make separate, um, separate pieces going into much more detail about specific areas of that topic with more nuance and specific specificity yeah so this pillar article is great for building eat expertise authority and trust we could embed snippet features things like images and lists which would target feature snippets and um that would help us to get some position zeros the cluster articles around the pillar article are great for targeting longer tail uh, keywords so with lower search volume but much more specific and this also gives us a way of Um, setting up a sort of internal link structure from all of these uh, cluster articles towards the pillar article which is the one we're trying to target the main uh, sort of head keywords with. Now this was fantastically effective, we were able to increase their traffic by 400%. We're able to increase total keywords ranking from 119 to 462, and increase position one's three rankings uh, from six to 19. It also gave us a 6400% ROI on our SEO and content marketing work as well, which was was awesome. Okay, final mistake that we're going to cover this is putting in all your attention on getting the lead or sale and then just sort of moving straight on to the next one. This is a a version of sort of new business shiny object syndrome. Now before I explain this and give you some tips on how to avoid it, if you need some help with identifying what your top digital marketing priorities should be, and maybe identify some of the mistakes that we've covered in today's podcast episode, you can request a free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. All you need to do is go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request your free review. You fill in a short survey, uh, questionnaire survey. You fill in a short questionnaire. We ask for a bit of information about your business, your marketing and your goals. We will then produce a video which shows you exactly how to generate the leads that or sales that you've told us you need to in your goals or we'll prioritize over the next 12 months to show you exactly what you need to be focusing on first, then second, then third, then fourth, and so on. So you can get this completely free of charge at exposure ninja.com forward slash review, go and do it today, go and do it today, go and do it now. Cool. Alright, so final mistake, then putting all of your attention on getting the lead or sale, and then moving on without actually properly Like sweating that asset, you kind of just focusing on new business, new business, new business all the time. And I get this because for a lot of entrepreneurial business owners or marketing managers, the fun is in, you know, seeing the stats rising, seeing the numbers increase, more new traffic, more new traffic. Great. This will be awesome. And actually having to go back to your existing traffic or go back to your existing customer list can feel a little bit boring, a little bit dull. Like, I don't want to do that stuff. I just want to get more new traffic. I totally get it. But that's not necessarily where the money is. Let me give an example, an e-commerce furniture client of ours selling B2C um, had never really done too much email marketing, they'd always been focusing on getting more new traffic. Well, we were able to build them some email marketing automations for people that didn't convert on the first business and immediately added 14% revenue to their existing marketing. Okay, so they don't have to get more traffic. This is just hey, we're just going to give you another 14% revenue on your existing traffic by building these automations automations. So that is as close to a no brainer as you can possibly get. And these are automations. So this work is done once, and then it will be paying off forever. Okay, these automations can literally run for years and years without anybody touching them. So that's just free money. Uh, In another example, kids clothing brand again selling direct consumer. I think this is a brand from New Zealand. And we added $2 million of revenue in six months through building an email indoctrination sequence that introduced their they're fairly high priced. Um, so we introduced this we ran an indoctrination sequence to introduce people to the concept of the brand and basically answer the question why is it so expensive right Um, so we built this indoctrination sequence which was designed to do that and we made a broadcast email strategy for them that promoted their new product releases so when they had a new product release rather than just sort of sending out an ad hoc email here and there we actually built a strategy that they could follow that was an additional two million of revenue in just six months from doing that and for Uh, just for a sense of their business's scale that was a fairly big deal to them that would have been more than 10% of their revenue so again it falls into the sort of quick win category because that's an automated indoctrination sequence a series of emails that's written and time to go out to new subscribers that doesn't take any additional work to maintain once that is done it is done and it will run forever Of course, the truth with digital marketing is that most of the money is spent getting people onto your website in the first place. So actually monetizing them after the fact with these sorts of automations, actually it just improves the performance of all of your other traffic generation. It makes, you know, one of the reasons we love it at Exposure Ninja is if we can reduce your cost per click. With PPC by maybe 10%, that's fantastic. And that goes, you know, that has a big impact on the bottom line. But if we can then add another 10, 15, 20, 30% revenue with that click by building out these automations to monetize that visitor or increase the chance that they purchase. If it's like a basket abandonment or a browse abandonment sequence that we build, or if we build an indoctrination sequence, which means that when they do make a purchase, their order value is higher, or we build in things like restock sequences for when people are likely to run out of a product they've purchased, that money is totally free that money is totally free. And so you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's significantly more profitable to build these sorts of automations than to just have to go to the traffic store and buy more traffic. Um, so yeah, it makes it a total no brainer. So there you have it, the most common digital marketing strategy mistakes that we see being made and some ways to fix them. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also go over to our Exposure Ninja YouTube channel to have a look at the video version of this podcast and all our podcast episodes. Until next week, see you soon.